Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome back. To the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I'm Damian Barling, this is D-Lo and KC on ESPN 1320, along with your host, Jill Adge. We've been absent for a while. We back. That's my bad. <laughs> that is 100 uh, percent on me. Jill has been on me to to be getting this done and there reason after reason and excuse after excuse that won't happen again. Uh, we are here. We will take care of your offseason needs. Uh, we'll have draft talk, this talk, that talk. Uh, but Jilly, the one thing we won't have uh, is coach talk, at least not coaching search talk. Uh, Unless as, we somehow find out they're looking for an assistant. <laughs> well, that, 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 that could but, very well be possible. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, it, you know, we saw two leave last year, so uh, you never know. I doubt it, but yeah. um if if one of them gets interviewed for a position, you know, it's you never know. So you, you I know you're not big on Luke Walton returning. Uh, what is what's your biggest frustration here? As a matter of fact, this is your podcast. Why don't you just lay out all your frustrations with Luke Walton? Let's see if we could work through them. At this point, though, I'm like, I'm not happy about it, but it like. It is what it is, and I'd rather be like, okay, he's here. Now let's fix the damn thing. Like yeah. it's it's I mean, I've I've made it pretty well known that he was he wasn't gonna be my first choice, you know, to stick around. Um I but I, I will say this. I've been, you know, you know me, I love my research, and I've been, mm-hmm. you know, trying to look up as much as I can of you know, the time when he was with the Lakers, you know, how those young guys felt about him as well, because I was saying this yesterday, too, that fans' perceptions of people in this league are not the same as as the fraternity, you know, those guys are in a fraternity together. Coaches feel one way about each other. Players feel a certain way about coaches and about, you know, fellow players and then you have fans' perceptions of what they think all those, you know, people are. But most of the time, it's what our perception of what we think is going on is not is not necessarily what's going on, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and I perception was, versus reality. Yes. Um, th- that's not an excuse or by any means of like, oh my God, I think, you know, he's great no i'm just saying like we care about wins and losses we're not getting that so our perception of anybody that's not getting that is going to be they're not doing their job right Mm -hmm. but again with this season we're not there at practices we're not there on you know the bus we're not there um during the little practices they had during their film sessions things like that i 
based on, I just listened to a, a podcast yesterday from uh, Rashawn Holmes was on the road tripping podcast with Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson, mm-hmm. two journeymen, right? And, and Fry played with Luke at um, Arizona. And my perception of him has always been, he's Bill Walton's kid. He's this laid back, like, you know, woo. he's been around the league, um, has always been on good teams, right? Like never been put through the diversity or the adversity that, you know, these young players are getting because he went right into a grand old Laker, you know, dynasty situation mm-hmm. where you know his vets are gary payton carl malone <laughs> uh kobe bryant like yeah. i mean it's the the people he had to bring him into this league is crazy where we don't have anything like that here and my biggest question mark on him was always can he handle bringing a young team to that being that Yes, he can relate to these players, but he was also never in the situation that these players are saying, this is the first time they've ever had to deal with losing and what the hell do I do to get out of it? But segue back to the podcast and um, Fry was saying that in Arizona, after they lost a game, he said Luke would not talk to anybody. Like they knew if they lost a game and you're on that bus, he has his headphones on. He's watching game tape. He's icing his his knees and his ankles, and he's focused on next one up. We're not doing this again, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a known thing. So they asked Rashawn Holmes, who earlier in the podcast was saying that he'd never been on a team with as many jokesters before, which to me that's not surprising. This is you know a younger team. Um, or as Tyrese Halliburton says, we're not necessarily younger. We're just young in experience mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because you have vet guys there, but the vet guys you have minus Harrison Barnes are, you know, are not winning championships they or in the playoffs. Games. But right. besides DeLon Wright and, and Harkless who can you know, and Davis who all came from winning teams at some point in their career and are now in this situation. So he was saying, um, that he lo- that Rashawn was saying he loves being on this team and you know it's it's a great atmosphere and that kind of stuff, but um, they're also not always I guess serious when they need to be serious for, like that. And so he was say- they were asking you know how does Luke handle that because they know his personality, and he said that he you know will rip them on the bus rides if uh, they've just won a game and you know he'll kind of crack some jokes with them like okay guys, um, but he said if they're joking on one of their losing streaks or after they lose a game, which, you know, we've always, always wondered how does this team react after these things happen? Well, mm-hmm. Rashawn, let us know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that they, they, they're, you know, they're younger and they're just happy to be playing, right? Like they're, you know, it's whatever we lost a game, you know, they want to win, but they're still, you know, we're happy to be in the league. Right. Yeah. Um, he said that he gets up and just starts cussing at them you just had your asses handed to you. You were embarrassed. You're supposed to be professionals. How dare you go out there like that and then come back on this bus and crack jokes and thinks everything is all, you know, hunky-dory, essentially. Um, and the faces of Fry and uh, Richard, they were, like, not shocked. But mm-hmm. they were not shocked that he did that. But they were shocked when he said that the team was joking like that after losses. 
um, which I thought was pretty telling because you can watch the podcast on YouTube so you can see their faces. They weren't shocked they got yelled at. They were shocked that the team was joking after after losing. And then um, Fry was saying that he came from a team where after a loss, he couldn't have, uh, they couldn't have their cell phones. They got fined if they got caught using their phone um, after a loss. And so um, Richard just went on to say uh, a little bit more that he thinks that Luke's going to surprise people if he's ever given a team of like-minded individuals as, as himself he said he'll go out and win 50 games, no problem. You give him a team of of Luke's, um, that's what's going to go happen. I don't know if that's true, but again, I'm just saying perception of what of what two guys in the league that were around him are saying, you give him a team like that, mm-hmm. he will turn you around. If you give him a team of jokesters and stuff like this, he's just going to keep yelling at you, but does that change anything? obviously not. Right. And that's boils down to our issue here is it's yes. I think it's a coaching problem. I also think it's a player problem. And right now you decided to bring the coach back, you know, what kind of players and now you, you have to bring in here to, to make this work because for two seasons, we've seen, you know, with the same kind of core core group of it's not nice. working, right? Like you have, <laughs> you have three guys, that are making over 20 million now that Darren Fox is in that, in that bench. Now he's going to be making 30, you know, something. Um, And you have Buddy and Barnes making over 20 each. That's a lot of your salary cap on guys that are not moving the needle for you. Right. We can't say Fox isn't moving the needle. We've seen it from him, but the other two wins and losses, they are right. Yes. Um, and, And that's kind of been, our issue for over this 15 years, right? Like we see individual development from players, but we never see it ever actually mesh as a team into a team talent based, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of wins and losses. And so now Monty's, you know, he's hitched his, his ride to, to Luke. And essentially this is his guy now. Yeah. Um, and as, as he mentioned on his interview this morning, um, don't trust me because I haven't earned your trust, but you know, um, and also didn't ask for patience. That was nice. I appreciated that. Like, don't tell me to be patient. Like he said, no, don't trust me. I haven't earned your trust. It's on me. This is my job. I have to deliver for you. Otherwise we're held accountable point blank. Like that's, that's, it's, that's where we're at now. Um, and I know it's, you can say it's not necessarily fair to these guys because he's been here a year and Luke's been here two years, not the 15 year, you know, drought. But again, these are the situations you are, you knew coming into this of where we were at and everyone wants that turnaround. Um, now it's up to Monty to swing, to bring in the players that are going to bring you that turnaround. Um, One thing that I really like yeah. about, the press conferences yesterday, particularly Monty McNair's is it felt like he set the expectations and the expectations were clear. This isn't, this isn't building. This isn't working towards the future. This is, this is nope. It's now I get it. I understand the frustration of the fan base. I understand where we're at. Uh, I've made the decision. He noted, I've, I've had all of the resources, you know, at, at my disposal and I've decided to keep Luke because of basketball reasons. And I think he is right. the guy to take this team back to the playoffs and playoffs 
there, there were there were two words that I, I should go back and listen to these two press conferences. Really, you, you, you put together all of the media availabilities and count them. But there were two words that really stood out to me because I feel like they were said a lot, particularly by uh, Monty and Luke. But you could throw De'Aaron in there and it'll fit as well. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs or postseason, you know, some semblance of those two words and defense, defense, defense. And this to me, like if you like Tyrese Halliburton and you like the draft pick and you uh, can applaud what the Kings did with the so-called bargain buys at the trade deadline, those were two Monty McNair moves. And it's cool that says Monty McNair, I haven't earned your trust. Like, don't trust me yet. Like that's, that's fine. And, and and that's cool. But there are people who are like, hey, I like what Monty did here. This is cool. Like, this is good. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he didn't move around uh, as much in free agency last year. But, you know, his feet were barely in, in, in the shallow end of the pool at that point. If you like all of those decisions and you trust all of those decisions, for me, you have to trust this decision to keep Luke Walton. Right. I didn't like it. I didn't agree with it. But he but made the decision. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to yeah. spend the next several months mad. I'm not going to spend the next several months criticizing Monty McNair for this decision because I applauded him for his other decisions. Right? You got to trust know, that he's, yeah. At no point did I say, go get Terrence Davis. Go get Mo Harkless. At no point did I say, you know what would be really good for the Kings? Delon Wright. He'll really surprise people. You did. That's absolutely <laughs> accurate, actually. Jill said that. I didn't. So for that, I have to I have to give him the opportunity to be wrong about the coach. I can't sit here right. and be like angry about it. Would I have would I have loved to have talked to Sam Cassell or David Vanderpool or Becky uh Becky Hammond or 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 anybody else? Absolutely. Luke decided, or excuse me, Monty decided that wasn't the route we're gonna go. It's gonna be Luke Walton. Just as I trusted those other decisions, I'm gonna trust this one until it's failed. And hopefully right. and, the point of failure yeah. doesn't come because I'm tired of seeing that. And and those two worked together last year to bring in, you know, what we considered two upgraded assistant coaches, right? And I will say, um, reading back over Luke's um, Laker, you know, um, history there. Tough. sure. Uh, mm-hmm. his, the biggest criticism for him there was they felt like he didn't have enough X's and O's guys on the bench. Um and that's that's Gentry and that's Rex. Now the key here is, well, an off season practice. You know, it's another year in this same system. Will that will that trigger a change where you brought in a new offense and a new defense this year? It 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 didn't click. Now, will year in year two, will it click? I will say, because this is the second time Luke has had um, the worst defense in the league, right? Now, the Lakers in 16-17, it was his first year with those young guys. Um, they were last in the league, and then the next season, they went to 13, right? So he didn't get fired. You saw another year in the system, and it moved, right? Last year with previous coaching, um, we were at what well, at uh 111 14. We were 20, I think it was like 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this year we went to 116 and 30. So, mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, and, and you can't keep changing schemes every year, right? Like you got to see if either these players can figure it out in here, or mm-hmm. you're going to have to bring in new players that can play in this system. If this is who you're sticking with it's, or you have the coaching mold to the players you have, which as Adelman said earlier, you have to be able to adapt as a coach, right? To what works to your personnel. Maybe it's a learning curve for both coaching and and these players that we have to adapt to what we have. Because I will say, I love the Rex hire. And Rex has been on good teams and is and has killed it with, with good teams, right? Like, mm-hmm. But it helps when you have talent. Like, you, you have still have to have the roster um, to get there. It's You only have so many really good development coaches in the league, right? And that's why they're known as the development coaches. So if you're not going to go hire one of those, to me, again, it goes back to you have to fix the talent problem here in order to, if you're going to stick with these coaches. Um, otherwise, they're going to have to work together to to adjust their styles. Um, but I, lo- I love our coaching staff, um, our assistants, our development staff. Um, to me, this is this is the best coaching staff we've had in a while of like mm-hmm. legit legit names that that are respected right around the league. So I, I all I, right, I you hope for the about, best every year except the right. worst. Like that's <laughs> you, you know that's you that's, mentioned the roster, and I know you know this. We talked to Rick Adelman today on oh. Dilo and KC on ESPN thirteen twenty. And one thing that he said was, you know, we, we talked about, I, I asked him, you know, what quantifies a, a good coach, what quantifies, quantifies a great coach. And he was, you know, he, he gave a very eloquent answer and talked about a number of different things, including coaches adjusting to rosters and, and rather than having a coaching style, making your coaching style fit what type of players that you have. And it was so fascinating because, again, he laid it all out and it was beautifully, beautifully laid out. But the very first thing he said was, you've got to have the roster. You've got to have the talent. And then you go and you mold your coaching style to fit these players. He talked about the differences between Portland and Sacramento. He talked about the huge differences between Sacramento and Houston. And he adjusted his coaching style to the roster. But you've got to have a good roster. There are two times in his career where he didn't particularly have a good roster. That brief stint in Golden State. Right. And he said he didn't last for it. (laughs) Right. right, right. And in Minnesota. So it's... it's tough. Like, you know, it, it's like a house divided when you look at the roster and you go, I, I know some people think the roster is trash. Some people look at the roster and go, it's not that bad. But you want to know what's what's interesting is for as many people that said the roster last year, right, was was better than this year. Um, prior to the bubble, that team played 72 games, 72 games this season. How many games did they play? 72. 72. Mm-hmm. What was the? Their identical records through 72 games. 31-41. 31-41. So you can say if this was a less talented roster and he still got them to 31 and 41, mm-hmm. it is is that improvement? I mean, well, I, I don't know what you know Monty's standards are when he's looking, you know, at this stuff, but 
I mean, I thought, what are the odds that right <laughs> through 72 games yeah. um, each year that that's what you're getting to? And that's without practicing, mm-hmm. without an off season, with no training camp. Like that's and um, really, what are we new talking coaching about? staff? Right? Are we talking about bogey? Like, what are we talking about? Like, how different was the roster last year? Like, I know um, bogey was there, but was it drastically different? People didn't agree with the backup centers, the white side. Okay. And I, and I actually, but to me, Phil Halliburton in for bogey, and it's, well, you know, yeah. and I don't know. I love the, I don't like, I like the white side signing when it happened, especially for what it cost. Like it, it, it was not a minimum. Like yeah. Like I, I'm still confused right. as to why it went so poorly. He, other than he lived on the health and safety protocols list, there right. were plenty of occasions where it was like, yeah, DNP, he probably could have, I don't, I don't, I don't know that Hassan Whiteside is the difference between winning and losing. You really want him out there for like 12 minutes. You probably don't want him out there for too much more. But right. it was confusing to me as if he was just completely out of the rotation. And the two players that I heard, right, it was Giles and Lynn. Giles is was healthy and then her on Portland. But for Lynn, you know, he said that he signed That's with the, the Raptors. One. He signed with the Raptors because he wanted to make the playoffs for the first time. Oops. I don't know if Monty contacted him or not. I have no yeah. idea. I'm just going based on what he said when he signed with the Raptors was I chose them because I wanted to make the playoffs for the first time. He was waived. He went on to sign, you know, the Wizards picked him up and mm-hmm. he helped he helped them um go on this one more time. But <laughs> but as soon as Gafford came in, Gafford trumped him and it was it was uh Robin Lopez and Gafford for a lot of the time and and people were getting mad at Brooks that he had the three centers and wasn't choosing between them all. Um but again, it's not like these guys were out there dominating right somewhere else to where it was why didn't we resign Bays you know I've heard Baysmore he went and signed with the Warriors even if the Kings contacted him which people had said that they felt that that was going to happen mm-hmm. he chose the Warriors if the Warriors are contacting me over the Kings who's going to choose the Kings over the Warriors I'm sorry like that's yeah. we got to be realistic here and at the end of the day those guys are, we need more. We need more than that. Mm-hmm. Right. In my opinion, if, no, I if agree. we're really going to make a step, like we can't be, you know, hung up on those kinds of, of roster. We need Chris Webber. We need Vlade, you know, t- tying the Rick Adaman thing back in and tying the, um, you know, the hall of fame guys, Rick Adaman got here and, and, and he talked about, you know, the specialness of that team and being able to sign Vlade being able to acquire Chris Weber. Those are the types of players that you need. You need a Chris Weber type. Exactly. The guys on your shirt right now, those are the types of guys that you need. And that's where Monty's got to go to work. Like Monty's first decision to really put his stamp on this team. This is Monty McNair's team was deciding that Luke Walton was going to be the head coach moving forward. Great. Let's get behind him. Okay. But you've got real work to do. Because you're you're a hundred percent right. The Kent Bazemore additions, the Alex Lynn additions, the Trevor Ariza's, these different like mismatched pieces to kind of fill in roster spots isn't good enough. Right. And I I love those guys and what they brought because those were the dogs for us, right? And mm-hmm. 
But again, you can't keep bringing them in for a year and not have one of your three guys that are making 20 million not right. be the dog for you. Like right. that that's that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. It, it's uh who was I reading about? I, I gosh, I can't remember who I was reading about today, but it was talking about like a form of leader. Oh, it was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum obviously had the, you know, the 50 point game against the Wizards in the play in game. And it was, you know, he has a certain style of leadership and reading about it. It was like. This feels like De'Aaron, you know, De'Aaron once said in a postgame press conference, I think it was a postgame press conference where he's not I'm not a fiery guy. I'm not a rah rah. I I I like I talk. We lead. I I I. Lead, but I, I I might not do it in the way that you want. And it kind of felt like that's what Jason Tatum is. What Sean Boston is fine because, because you've you got Marcus. Marcus Smart. You got yes. Marcus Smart. And when you have and Marcus Smart, unlike with all due respect to Kent Bazemore and all due respect to you know Mo Harkless and Terrence Davis and guys like that, Marcus Smart is pivotal to the Boston right. Celtics success. Like he is a pillar of what they do. It, you know, you, I'm not going to stretch it and call hear? it a big three, but it's Marcus right. Jalen and Jason Tatum. Right. And then all the rumors of, and I think it was Amick that even said it, that when, when the Kings talked to Boston, it was okay. Give us smart. Like that's, that's who we, if we're taking someone, that's who we want. Like that's the kind of guy we need. We know that's not going to happen because of, you know, how pivotal that guy is there. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to question Sam's reporting. Boston was not trying to acquire Harrison Barnes. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it came from Sam. I don't know if someone was in a conversation. Boston did not try to acquire Harrison Barnes. It was every reporter that was trying to link Boston to anybody. I think it was Bill Simmons and it cat like it rolled downhill from there. And Scalabrini. Was there is Calabrini? There, that's right. It was on a, one of the. It was one on one of the post game or something. You're a hundred percent right. Scalabrini said where it started. Anything you hear, it's all smoke screens. It's all smoke screens. All they want is Harrison Barnes. I, I have it on good authority. Right, that is not true. There you go, everybody. <laughs> and I've been getting killed because I've been saying online that I, I'm not. I wasn't questioning. It was just to me. It didn't for, make sense. For, for what those teams ended up paying for guys, it none of it made sense that they would have gotten offered this treasure trove, mm -hmm. you know, when and then the reporting that came out is they didn't even offer that for Aaron Gordon, who's younger and less, you know, has even less money attached to it. Like that there was it just yeah, it it didn't make sense. So wah, good to know wah, that I'm not wah. crazy. <laughs> no, you're not crazy. It was, uh, um, it, 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 and we, when we would talk about it on the radio, um, before I got the heads up on this, which was well yeah. after the trade deadline was where do you play him? Like in the fourth quarter, like, what do you do with Harrison here? And I, I can't envision if I can't envision the Celtics contemplating giving up Marcus smart, Unless it's like a whoa type deal, unless it's a big, big move that gets them like we're talking about them potentially winning the Eastern Conference next year. And I think with the team made as it is, I'm not I certainly thought they were going to be top four this year uh, in a, I thought or, or if nothing else in a really, really competitive top five. Um, 
but I think that's the only type of deal that moves Marcus Smart is a is obviously this isn't happening, but I'm talking like because it was a oh, long no, sure. rumor, like yeah. an Anthony Davis type trade, like so, like something like that where you're like, oh, the Devonta Sabonis, whoa, they they're they're in they're they're competing with Brooklyn and Philly now. Yeah. So, um, Monty's got his work cut out for him. I mean, that's he does. It, you know. I mean, he's saying all the right things. Uh, I feel like Luke said all of the right things. Luke actually made me laugh uh, in the press conference when he said um, he was asked about, you know, wh- when did he know he was going to stay? Was he worried about it? And he hit him with a, I'm under contract. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like I'm under contract. I, I was planning on being here. I didn't, I didn't think twice about it. I love that answer because it's such an F off answer. It's such a screw you answer that at that, I don't want to say Luke won me over. Regardless, I don't care. Yeah, like I wasn't going to say Luke won me over with that because that's a stretch. But I remember thinking that's a damn good answer right there. That is a damn, damn good answer right there. Um, Yeah. yeah. And for people that tuned in that just, you know, wanted us to go on a, a trash spree, I'm at the point for my mentally that it's like, okay, I didn't agree with it, but. I'm never going to root against this team to not figure it out. So you know what? I'm going to dig in and. And it's fine. Like I, we can improve and figure out like it's the right. The moves made. There's nothing we can do to change it. It's, you know. If you didn't like Monty before, you can be upset now. If you're like Tyrese wasn't the right guy. I hated the oh, trade I had deadline. Plenty of those messages. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, if, if you're out yeah. there, you, I think you have every right. Like if you want to be upset about this, like you, you, you could be upset and no matter like how you're allowed to be upset. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go trash this move that Monty McNair made when I've praised everything else that he's done. It's not like all of a sudden I'm smarter than he is. And it's like, Nope, you should have gone with, you should have talked to Sam. You should have talked to David. You yeah. should have talked to Becky. You should have talked to somebody else other than Luke Walton. It's like, well, I, I Tyrese worked beyond my wildest imagination. I had no idea that Delon Wright was going to be such a pivotal part of what we were doing and Terrence Davis and all of that. Okay, don't like the decision, but I'm going to ride it with you and I'm going to root for Monty's success. I'm going to root for Luke Walton's success because the fact is, if Luke fails. This is a huge mark on Monty McNair. Like I know some people saying, well, if the season starts bad, you could always move on from him. There aren't a lot of situations like Nate McMillan, like those. And I, and I love Alvin Gentry. I love Rex Kalamian, but what we saw in Atlanta, that's not entirely normal. So to just think that you can fire Luke Walton and move into Alvin Gentry, that's, that's tough. And you had the difference in these players are saying that they're listening to him, listening to them. We're not yeah. seeing it on the court, but in Atlanta, it was, oh no, we tuned him out. Like it, it yeah, was not right. even a, like, right. Right. And they brought in Nate knowing that that was already happening. He's going to command. That's respect. not yep. the case here. Right. Yeah. Um, and Nate is Nate, right? Like that's Yes. He's an established the, coach. Right. And I think Atlanta has more talent on that roster. They still have two of their guys that were playing at the beginning of the year. Their mm-hmm. youngest guys that that are not in that's going to make that team even better. Um, to me, to even compare those rosters is yeah, you're looking at a team with more talent. And that's it's, it's, and they play defense. Like they are a good defensive team. They have their young guys, that's what they were known for. I didn't buy their so, offseason moves and kind of smirked at their early season failures. 
when Nate McMillan took over, I thought, hmm. It looked like a completely I, different team. I thought, well, and, and I, I said on the radio that I was like, this is going to be a different team. But I, I, I'm not confident what that's going to look like. I'm not going to backtrack about what I said about Atlanta, but I feel like this is going to yeah. be a completely different team. And then, you know, lo and behold, they they were very much a different team. I'm and I had surprised. to eat all of those. Yeah. yeah, I had to eat all of those words I said about Atlanta. So um, we'll spend time over the course of the next few weeks. Obviously, uh, you know, Luke Walton back as the Kings coach. That's what we wanted to focus on today. But we've got an entire offseason to focus on Marvin Bagley, to focus on Buddy Heald. Uh, we have an entire offseason to talk about roster difficulties. We're going to have a summer league to cover, uh, as announced today. That's going to be back in Las Vegas, uh, August 8th. And I think that was the first place I actually met Jill in person. Uh, sure was at a, a, a summer league in Las Vegas. Uh, so we'll have the uh, opportunity and time to break all of that stuff down, uh, which we absolutely will on the Sacramento Kings podcast. Uh, if you don't subscribe to the D'Lo and Casey podcast, you can go check that out. It's available on Apple or wherever you get your podcast from, and you can hear our conversation uh, with Rick Adelman. It was, um, I was, I don't want to say I was proud of it because I don't feel like I did anything, but Rick was really, really good. He, he was, was really, he was really great to listen to. You know, and if you respect what that guy says, he said that, you know, um, far too often this, this organization moves on too quickly from players and coaches. And at some point you have to let those guys stay together. And what did you say? Figure out their styles together. So mm -hmm. we're year three now, you, you know, each other's styles, figure it out. Yeah. And I know you're getting ready to go do uh locked on Kings. Yes. Right. All right, yeah, so there's sure a round go. table. Yeah. Yeah. You and and we'll be talking both. pros and cons of Walton there. So you'll hear a little bit more of that. Um, but you know how this place is, is we like we like the research, and then I I give what I find, and then you all take your your opinions from you know what you will. Indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh so make sure you go support our man Matt George and check out the Locked On Kings podcast, their round table that they got going on there. Uh make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review this show here and know that Jill and myself, I promise you, uh, we will be back next week here on the Sacramento Kings podcast here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.